0: Martin Luther King Day has come and gone, and he is, well, he he was, what what a guy he was. And for those of you who might be like my guest on this podcast, you might not have had the day off, but I'm an American, so I got the day off, baby. And my guest is not Martin Luther King, it is, you know him, if you're listening to this network, I'm sure you've heard his, the silky smooth sound of his voice before. It's Curtis, of course, Three Angry Nerds, duh
1: yeah actually funny enough I work for an American company so I had Martin Luther King day off so oh. it's pretty great actually. to act, but like most Canadians aren't so it was actually kind of great to have a day where I was just like walking around I had the day off and like everyone else was working I kind of felt like a high schooler during like summertime I was like yeah the world revolves but I, I'm just chilling over here
0: you picked the go to company then
1: <laughs> yeah exactly
0: I got, I got schooled with my knowledge of Martin Luther King.
1: Hmm. I felt like Twitter was just full of, like, Martin Luther King uh, images, and I was just, like, reading all these quotes by him, and I'm like, I wonder how many of these quotes he actually said. So I looked up some of them, and I'm pretty sure, based on what I looked up, like 50% of these people just put in bullshit quotes with, like, an image of Martin Luther King. But I'll let him have it, you know. It's, it's, it's his day, so, you know, I don't want to tread on that, you know.
0: My favorite one was uh, Speaker of the House Paul Ryan posted a, an image of, there was a Martin Luther King, uh, statue and he was standing in front of it, and he had the, the stereotypical I'm thinking about Martin Luther King pose where he had just had his hand under his chin. And he was looking at the thing, just contemplating. Martin Luther King is like, oh, yes, I'm sure, I'm sure he's very much on your mind today, Speaker Ryan. <laughs>
1: See, every time I see Paul Ryan in my head, I just think of, like, that one guy in school that nobody was friends with, and he just, like, you kind of, like, heard rumors, and you're like, oh, are they true? I don't know why. I just look at him, and I'm like, I bet you were, like, a creepy dude in high school. Probably he still is a creepy dude, but I just get that vibe from him.
0: He's like, teacher, teacher, you forgot to collect our homework.
1: Yeah. So.
0: Well. Um.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so Dave, what is our fine topic for today?
0: Yes, we are doing a podcast topic, which is it's a it's a real it's a real classic. We're doing top five movie sequels, and we had a bit of a discussion in the Slack about this, about how you are doing like all sequels, like of franchises where the movie is like the second one or even the third one, and so on in that franchise, like and they, the installment and. I was looking through my list, and I was like, "There's I can't even narrow this down." So I just had to, I had to limit myself to just the second movie, in a franchise, the uh, okay. direct sequel.
1: Yeah, because like I was thinking about it, I'm like, I know in some franchises you have like a stretch of really terrible movies, and you may have like the eighth film in that franchise where it all of a sudden it just clicks. So I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to exclude those ones, but. I I think, too, you know, it's always, like, you always assume the second movie, if there is going to be a good sequel, it's going to be the second one. I don't know too many people who expect the third movie and, like, a trilogy to be the best. It's always kind of like, that's usually the one where they just have troubles nailing the landing, so to speak.
0: Not everything can be the Thor franchise.
1: Yeah, where they just suddenly are like, hey, let's just make a totally different movie that... Neglects a lot of the stuff from the first two but you know what, that, that kind of worked for Thor I feel
0: That's what he needed, the rebirth Yeah Okay, so I'll go first just so it ends with you and it's more climactic that way uh, Okay My number five pick I uh, I'm not sure how controversial it'll be because it is widely considered one of the great superhero movies ever made but and it might even be the peak of this trilogy, but a lot of people, there, there's a sour taste in their mouth after the third one came out. Uh, I'm going with Spider-Man 2, the Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire classic. I think Tobey Maguire is the best Spider-Man that ever was and ever will be. Uh, this movie mm. is perfect because it turns Spider-Man into, like, a Christ figure on the subway, and that scene is dope as hell. Alfred Molina is a yeah. great Doc Ock. Uh, you got Franco doing Franco shit. Uh, Kirsten Dunst is hanging around. She's great, even though character arc very similar to the first movie. But you know, yeah. that's why it's at number five. It's not perfect, but it's a great. I think it's a great follow up to a, an already great movie.
1: And I, I feel you. You touched on this, but like I feel like a lot of people kind of trash on the Raimi films now that we have like man Homecoming and all that stuff. But like legit though, it was it was great. To have Sam Raimi come along who was this kind of like really quirky filmmaker and he has his style for sure and they just let him come in and like I feel like more so in Spider-Man 2 than Spider-Man 1 like they let his style kind of come through like especially that scene where Doc Ock's arms come alive like that looks like it was almost just pulled out of an Evil Dead movie or something like that
0: definitely like I think he really proved himself with the first Spider-Man and they're like you know what we're gonna trust you and it shows that and then they kind of like went back the other way at Spider Man Three and kind of forced venom into it. It's like, then you learn your lesson with the great success of Spider Man Two. But regardless, mm-hmm. it is Spider man Homecoming has made it look in a different light. But if you go to the subreddit for uh, Raimi memes, they 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 they, they hate Spider Man Homecoming and they just only love the Raimi movies. So I feel at home there, even though I don't hate Homecoming. But the Raimi movies are always going to be in my heart.
1: Yeah. Well, the thing is, too, is, like, I, I like Homecoming, but, like, I always liked Spider-Man 2 just because, like, it has this charm that, like, Spider-Man Homecoming's cool, but, like, it you could definitely feel, like, it's almost, like, paint in the numbers compared to Spider-Man 2, where it's just, like, like, it, it's just hilarious how, like, Raimi just has all these weird, like, songs in that movie that really just, looking back on it, like, had no place in the superhero movie, but... Know, back in the mid 2000s or early to mid 2000s he was just like eh i'm just gonna put the song in here and you're just gonna deal with it and i think it's just like again that charm of him it's, it's great
0: i i do agree with that being said what is your number five uh, pick
1: uh so i feel like mine's definitely gonna be controversial for a variety of different reasons but i chose halloween three season of the witch um I I always, like... I I actually just watched this movie recently because I hadn't seen it before. Um, But it's interesting because, like, to watch Halloween 1 and Halloween 2, like, those are very much, like... You could tell those movies were two parts to one story. And then it comes to Halloween 3, and then, like, it's just the most bizarre adventure. But I always admire it for what it is. I don't think it's the best movie by any stretch, but, like, I just admire it for the balls to be, like... the, The plot of that movie is ridiculous. I mean, I won't spoil it, but the plot boils down to someone basically wanting to pull like a massive prank on kids and it's the weirdest like motivation for a character but I just love it and just like the designs of it and all the just visuals all around it's just a weird movie but it's so charming and fun
0: with the Halloween movies I've I have uh I've only ever seen the first three all the way through the other ones I've seen bits and pieces of like Paul Rudd and uh rhymes here and there and but the first three, I, oh, yeah. I the one like the the Carpenter ones are the ones that I've seen all the way through, and the first one's great, obviously. The second one, I'm like, eh, hold on, but I think the third one is actually it's pretty good. And my dad talked to me about it a lot because it's his favorite movie franchise, and he always mm-hmm. said that the third one was what he John Carpenter wanted to move away from Michael Myers and turn it into like this kind of like anthology type thing, and the third one, like it kind of shows yep. that he where that was going, and yeah. it was it was I thought it was actually pretty well made, like horror movies had never been my thing but I thought it was like like it was still a good movie even though like I wasn't finding myself eager to rewatch it so I think like it is a controversial pick because a lot of people can't get away from Michael Myers but I I like it I like it I like the pick
1: yeah well even then like because you say like the anthology thing and it's funny because most horror franchises around that time like around the 80s like even Friday the 13th like they wanted that to be an anthology like Friday the 13th was originally supposed to be an anthology uh, but then they never really stuck to that obviously they just had Jason just appear in like every sequel but like you know I actually kind of I appreciate what Halloween 3 was able to do because they actually were like no this is supposed to be an anthology so let's just ditch Michael and you know, do our own thing which is kind of what the whole premise was to begin with but uh, it, it's also controversial too because you also take out like your identifier you know the Michael Myers in the mass. that's what people love to see but you know if you take into account that you know, you're know you just not going to get that and you watch it for what it is, it's a pretty fun movie.
0: It's a shame they couldn't keep it going.
1: Yeah. I'm secretly hoping that with the new Halloween reboot they just put in like a bunch of references to Halloween 3, just for the fans, just to be like, oh, here's a kid with a pumpkin mask on or something like that. And, like I would totally get it. And maybe your dad and a few others who are uh, diehards of this franchise, but um, everyone
0: else would just be like, "What is going on?" Well, I I think it's a good pick. Uh, for for my number four choice, uh, I went with it's a very it's recent it's only it's less than a year old. Uh, I was as soon like I my my hopes were really high for this one because the one that came before it was my favorite in all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And this one mm. exceeded that and became my new favorite because Guardians of the Galaxy volume 2 uh took what I loved about the first one and then made it so much better like the first one definitely has that conventional origin uh becoming a hero story but the second one like it just goes to these weird and cool and interesting places with the like the relationship between Star-Lord and Gamora Star-Lord and his dad obviously the father figure there is great um, Rocket, the character development of Rocket just sky rocketed him uh, up to my favorite Marvel character, which Ragnarok later had Thor as a rival for that. But regardless, the development of the characters and their interactions and the way Yondu and Rocket like really, I don't, I don't know why I'm trying to like avoid spoilers here, but if I, if you haven't oh, seen yeah. it, I guess spoiler, but like it's been out for almost a year, so Yondu, him, like the way his death like just characterizes Rocket and like the journey that he goes on it's like it was just so far and away more than i could have ever expected from the movie and i loved it Mm
1: -hmm. i think too you know it i i was just i love the movie if only just because like adam warlock is my favorite marvel character of all time and he finally got dave dropped in that movie so just for that alone it's, it's the greatest marvel movie but um, I, I think you're right. And I think what worked about it too is that they grew it in ways that made sense. So, you know, growing the universe, expanding it with new characters and all that, fleshing it out, it worked only just because it was just the right amount. They didn't push too much with too many new characters or too many new uh, motivations or anything. It was just the right amount where it's like, okay, this is not just more of the same. It is, you know, uh, sort of a push you know in the right direction and you know so many movies they just go a little too crazy with adding new characters or new plots and whatnot you know guardians 2 i think was just like the perfect amount of new content while also sort of cherishing what came before which is great
0: i think the soundtrack on the second one is better than the first one as well
1: oh yeah you could definitely tell that like because i think From what I've heard from behind the scenes stuff, like James Gunn was just like, I want to do this like you know little soundtrack, and Marvel was just like, okay, but then it blew up and like that soundtrack was like one of the like most popular soundtracks. Like it did really well on streaming services and sales and stuff. So this time Marvel was like, okay, you know, make sure you do like an even better job, and he did which is kind of funny how it just became like this quirky little thing he wanted to throw into the movie just for fun. And now it's become this huge thing where it's like the soundtrack sells like, you know, quite a few copies just because, you know, these are all songs that most people already know or could get somewhere else anyways, but they just collect it onto a record and stuff. And, you know, it works.
0: It's definitely, I think one of the more iconic movie soundtracks, but, Speaking of iconic movies, is that what your number four is? Mm. Can you hear me? Uh Uh-oh. I think the mic could have gone out again. Alright, we're going to improvise here. So right now, it's, it's neck and neck. Number five, I said Spider-Man 2, Sam Raimi, Toby Maguire. So, so great. Uh, Technical dif- difficulties, a thing of the past. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We're like the Trump regime, you know. Whenever there's a truth coming out, we're like, ah, no. No, I, I, I'm 200 pounds and I'm six foot three.
0: He, uh, tonight, we were recording this on the night of the, when he said there would be the fake news awards. And he tweeted out the link to the fake news awards. And the website crashed. So, classic incompetence. But, uh... Yeah. Hopefully there won't be a sequel to the Trump administration.
1: Uh, I was actually just about to make that joke. Were you? Uh, yeah. You know, it's just kind of funny, because, like, everyone's making the joke right now about, you know, because he was like, oh... They released some like findings from some medical examination they did of him, and they were like, oh, he's 200 pounds, 6 foot 3, and then everyone's been putting out pictures of people who were actually are 200 pounds, 6 foot 3, <laughs> and of course, like, look nothing like Trump. Like, They're actually in shape, and he's not in shape. So, It's been pretty funny to watch. I even did my own where I just tweeted out uh, like a picture of uh, Professor Clump from The Nutty Professor, and I'm just like, yep, 200 pounds, 6 foot 3. And I don't think anyone got that joke, which is really sad. I think my Twitter followers need to be more engaged.
0: I've never seen that movie. Oh really? No.
1: I was, I, I you know, as a dumb uh, comedy that star that has a very odd appearance from a young Dave Chappelle. It's it's okay. Kind of a weird movie though. That's for sure.
0: We can do top five weird comedies that have appearances from young Dave Chappelle in it one day. He,
1: you probably could make a list with that. I, I, you know, that could be fleshed out.
0: Number one, you've got mail.
1: Yeah, half baked would probably get on there somewhere.
0: Sure. So, yeah. yeah. you can make a top five easy.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, Dave, uh, where, where are we on the on our list here?
0: We are at your number four selection.
1: Okay, so my number four is Creed. Uh, which actually, funny enough, well, it's funny for two reasons. One, I was listening to your office episode, and I realized that you some you know you put an entry on there with the name Creed. So there's basically two episodes with someone citing Creed as an entry, but obviously different. <laughs> um, and then obviously we're doing a movie commentary for this on Three Nerds this weekend, but yeah, Creed is really good. Um, I think Creed was shocking because. I'm a big fan of the Rocky franchise. I love the Rocky movies. Uh, But the thing with those movies is, like, man, they just got terrible. Like, after the first one, they went downhill, and then you just get to, like, the last one. Watch you know, because I guess, like, the the Rocky reboot or whatever, the one that came out in the early 2000s was decent. But, like, Creed was just, like, a whole other level. And I think what worked about it is that they made – uh rocky a side character and not the main character and obviously that makes sense like it's not called rocky it's it's creed it's different character but like it is in that universe and so it carries a lot of the themes and a lot of the things that matter about those movies and the things that you want them to carry over but at the same time too it's a new character uh more relatable uh great soundtrack great action it's just like oh it's I gush about this movie every time I talk about it. And it surprised me when it came out because I remember I was sitting in the theater. And I'm like, man, this is hopefully this isn't like a terrible Rocky movie. And I walked out I'm like, man, this is like one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. So, um, yeah, Creed, Creed is up there for me. Um, I, I, I will be talking about it uh, this weekend. I, I'm sure I'll gush about it some more there. But yeah, um, great
0: while you're listening to this episode, definitely go check out that Creed commentary, because it will be up by the time this episode is up. So, okay, sweet. It's undoubtedly going to be a great commentary, I have no doubts. I, uh,
1: you've seen the first Rocky movie, right? But you haven't seen Creed.
0: I have not seen Creed. I just watched Rocky to prepare myself for this Creed one. Because I feel like, like if I watch the first Rocky, I'll get Creed. I feel like, like the other movies in between, like I feel like I get them, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: so I feel like I'm good for Creed.
1: There's one, I, I won't spoil it, but there is one inciting incident that like plays pretty heavily into Creed, but like, it's not that hard to pick up on. You don't need to like have watched the other movies to get it. But yeah, and that's the other thing too that works with Creed. Like, You don't have to have seen the other movies. I think if you've seen the first Rocky, it's good because then you have a con- like context for the Rocky character, but everything else is just, it's fine. It's kind of unnecessary in the grand scheme of the franchise. Which I think for a lot of sequels, it's good. Like, they get so bogged down in mythology and stuff that it's kind of nice when a movie is just like, yeah, I don't really need all this mythology. I can just go do my own thing. It's it's kind of refreshing in a lot of
0: ways. I have high hopes after uh, knowing that the Koogs and uh, Tessa Thompson are involved.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is kind of funny because they were, like, great in that. I'm like, man, I can't wait to see them in more stuff. And then, like, pretty much everyone in that movie has been involved with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Sylvester Stallone was in Guardians 2, Tessa Thompson uh, in Thor Ragnarok, Ryan Coogler back Black Panther, as well as um, Michael B. Jordan in Black Panther. So like everyone in that movie has gone on to the Marvel Cinematic Universe in one way or
0: another. Feige must be a big Creed fan. I,
1: I think he must be. He probably watched this movie and I'm like, he's like, I want everyone from this movie into one of my movies. Done.
0: The same, however, cannot be said for my number three pick, because as I'm trying to think off the top of my head, I can't think of any of these actors being involved in a Marvel movie. And I'm sure one of them is, one of them has to be. There's so many actors in this movie. There's so many actors in Marvel movies. But Mm -hmm. the movie that came before this one is probably, it's many people consider it the greatest movie ever made. I don't think it's the greatest movie ever made, but I think it's hard to watch it and not think that it's very perfect and, like, it's impossibly well made. And... It's the sequel to it I think is not as good overall as a movie but I think that there are moments in it like the entire first half of the movie is better than anything in the one that came before it. I'm talking of course mm. about the moments where Robert De Niro is in Italy playing a young Marlon Brando in The Godfather Part 2. The Godfather Part 2 goes just jumps feet first right into uh Al Pacino's character development it goes all in on like the development of like where they set up the family in the first movie and now they're like here is how this family has changed this michael character into this really just interesting engaging and complex character who you he's obviously one of those classic protagonists who you don't feel like you should be rooting for and yet you can't help it but as much mm-hmm. as I'm drawn to that part of the movie, it gets to number three on my list because of how great this stuff with De Niro in Italy is. I love it. I love that Italian aesthetic. It's so perfect, especially like the vintage kind. It's even more... It's just beautiful. And De Niro plays Brando perfectly, and he absolutely deserved all the praise he got for that performance. Oh, uh, yeah. Godfather 2 is wonderful.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, it didn't make my list. It was very close, to making my list. But the thing that I always appreciate about it is that you know, it, it, for a movie to basically, you know, come out and, you know, do this weird thing where they balance the movie between present day and a flashback. I mean, that's pretty unprecedented today. You don't get that that often and to have it work so well, it just it's great. Um I think on a very technical functional level like it, I I would probably say it's the best sequel of any movie in terms of just pure technical like achievement and whatnot, like in writing achievement, not like a favorite of life personally, but like I can always admire for what they were able to do.
0: It's right. Like with guardians Two, that's always going to be a movie. I rewatch more than I'll watch the Godfather two again, just because the nature yeah. of those movies. But I just, it was hard mm-hmm. for like, I had guardians two over Godfather two originally. And I was like, Oh, it's really hard for me to overlook those Italian moments. But, uh, you're right when you said like it's one of the better sequels ever made it's also like one of the most like it had no reason like i know that there's a it's based on a book i've never read the book but it's uh it was back it was made during a time where they really didn't make sequels to these kind of movies and they still kind of really don't so it was really like it was cool to see like a movie of the godfather's caliber and then like they do a sequel for it and then it's actually like really good
1: yeah a lot of people don't realize this too but like old school hollywood up until like around the 70s or so uh nowadays when you get a sequel you get more money to make a sequel but back then like you actually got less money to make a sequel so sequels like the idea of sequels declining in quality is actually a thing because if you look at like a lot of older movies like as the uh, sequels would come out they would have smaller and smaller budgets if you look at the Planet of the Apes franchise in particular, that's a prime example. Like by the time you get to the last of the um, original films that came out, like those are just trash movies because they had no budget. And, you know, ideas are there and you know, there's definitely an attempt to make a decent movie, but there's just no budget to back it up. And so I think in spite of this, like the fun, the fact that the Godfather Two was able to come out and be a great sequel is probably the most impressive thing of all because you know if that came out nowadays you know they would throw you know an extra you know five ten million dollars onto that budget and you know it would be amazing it would be even better than it probably is now and you know that, that's certainly something but back then that was not really the case like you got less money and the fact that they were able to make a great uh, uh sequel you know in spite of that, is amazing
0: definitely and i have no doubts personally about the fact that your number three pick must also be amazing.
1: Mm, I think you'll disagree. Okay. Personally, I'm ready to. But I, but I put Friday the Thirteenth Part Six: Jason Lives. So, uh, definitely not a Godfather Two situation. <laughs> um, but I, but I, 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 like I get a lot of flack for people when they go to my letterbox profile and. Because on Letterbox you can put like your top five movies of all time. And my like fifth choice, just eking on there, is Friday the 13th Part 6. And everybody is just like, why? I'll tell you why. So Friday the 13th, uh, such a long-running franchise. By the time I got to the fifth entry in that franchise, those movies were just getting like flack from people. In particular, the fifth one, uh, just because the quality of it was weird. They hired a porn director to basically do part five so it it really just plays off like a porn which is really kind of hilarious in retrospect um and jason spoilers it's not the killer in part five so like really part five almost killed the franchise like it was terrible like movie made money but it was barely making money and then they hired tom mclaughlin the writer director of part six to come along and He even said, he's like, I'm not the biggest fan of these movies, and he watched every single Friday movie, and he's like, well, if I'm going to make one, I'm going to make one my way, which is horror comedy. And so he made a horror comedy movie, and the weird thing about it is that we take for granted now that there's horror comedy. I mean, the Scream franchise, uh, Cabin in the Woods, all that stuff. Like Those movies would not exist without Friday the 13th because – it came and it sort of did that self-referential humor in a way that no other horror movie was doing at at that time. Even to go, uh, you know, and sort of elaborate on that, like the writers of Scream, the people who made Scream, actually wanted uh, Tom McLaughlin, the writer or director of Part Six to actually do Scream, and he turned it down and went to Wes Craven. But like, it goes to show that like they were such this movie was such influence on horror comedies. And I think what's always so inspiring about this movie is that it's the sixth movie in the franchise and it completely reworks, you know, the idea of what a Friday the 13th movie is. It's fun. It's entertaining. Uh, Yes. It's got some moments of moments of uh, terror and horror and there's blood and gore, but at the same time too, it's pretty funny movie and it's pretty entertaining overall. Like there's a pretty good action set pieces uh, the characters all relatable a lot of fun i it's and it's definitely my favorite of the Friday the 13th movie, so um i know i i know dave you're not the biggest friday the 13th fan so you're probably rolling your eyes at me right now but um yeah that, that's that's my my choice uh, jason Lives.
0: i was completely ready to just make fun of you for this selection but then as you were explaining it i was thinking about it and even though I've never seen a Friday the 13th movie past the first one except for the fan film Never Hike Alone, plug. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though I've never seen them and I was ready to make fun of you, I... Like, I was, like, realizing, like, I... I knew... Like, I, I expected this to be on your list, and of course it would be, because if it's one of your... Like, it's one of your favorite movies, and... Mm-hmm. It's, uh... Like, it gives... Like, I can only imagine that it gives you so much joy, and and that's reason enough for it to be in the top five and i was ready to like shit on you but now i found myself coming to a very heartwarming place about the way we interact with movies
1: Mm -hmm. and it's always interesting too to watch that movie in comparison to the others where it's just like the other ones can kind of be a chore to watch just because they're not always the most entertaining and like even you know if, if somebody's gonna watch a friday the 13th movie for the first time i would not Start them on the first one, which is kind of blasphemy, right? You, you you would almost think you should start with the first film. I would always start them off with the sixth because it's the most entertaining. It's the mo- like afterwards you're going to be like, damn, that was a fun time. I want to go see more of this franchise, and they're not as fun, unfortunately. But um, it, it's it's a good kind of like entertaining way to start off watching those movies, even if the rest of the franchise isn't necessarily as entertaining.
0: It's a good. It's definitely a good philosophy to have regarding it.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm always of that mindset. Like, you, you you know, whenever you're watching a movie, that's always if you're trying to get someone to watch a movie that's like maybe a little bit of a sell, always go for like the most entertaining one in that franchise because afterwards people are gonna be like, wow, that was fun. I want to see more. Meanwhile, if you watch the one that's maybe like the most terrifying or the most like dramatic, it might just weigh them down. They'll be like, uh, I don't, I don't know. I Carlos, even, who, you know, was on the 3 year podcast. He even was like, I'm not the biggest Friday the 13th fan. He watched part six, and he ended up walking away enjoying it. So it is possible to enjoy those movies, even if you're not the biggest fan, like me.
0: Well, I'll have to give it a shot one day. Yes. And one movie I love giving a shot to. It's Mm. my number two pick for the top five movie sequels it's um a lot of people probably think of it as the definitive sequel because whenever we have a second movie these days people often compare it to The Empire Strikes Back which is right. my favorite Star Wars movie of all time Last Jedi comes pretty close but Empire I still have to give the edge to because it just it really like revolutionized I think the idea of what sequels could be and it goes Like, it ends without a completely happy ending, which is incredibly bold. Um, Mm -hmm. It goes... It splits the group up that you had come to know and love. It puts Luke on Dagobah, and it puts Han and Leia into their own shit, where they end up in Carbonite with Lando and all that. You know, know, the basic story. But it's so just, like, it's really thought-provoking, and I find it very interesting. There's, like... I think there's a lot less action than in most every other star wars movie and it's very appreciated like these the character moments between luke and yoda luke and darth vader han and leia han and lando etc etc it's all wonderful and it set like a precedent for like what sequels should strive for and what star wars should strive for and like it made it instead of just rehashing what people loved about the first star wars it brought it to a new level and it kept it alive that way like it might not have become what it was without empire strikes back which is it's a great i think it's a good number two pick for me
1: yeah the thing is is you know what george lucas did the first film it was very much a combination of of like serials and sort of that kind of popular sci-fi storytelling Uh, And, I mean, it was what it was, but it was very, you know, Star Wars is great, but, you know, when you look at where it came from in George Lucas's mind, at least, it's very uninspired. And that's not to say that's a bad thing, but it's just, that's what it is. You know, it's just a combination of these two things from his childhood and just kind of made it work. But I feel like Empire is where it became more than that. It became more than just these... Mishmash of ideas where it kind of became uniquely Star Wars in a way that I, I, i for what it's worth, I think A New Hope is my favorite Star Wars movie just because it's the most entertaining of them all, for me at least personally. But I think Empire is where it's like, this is Star Wars as you know it. Like, this is where you sort of get into like the deeper themes and iconography of Star Wars in a way that's like, okay, this is more than just a mishmash of two ideas kind of deal.
0: Definitely. It really like, um, like, expands upon these ideas that become like synonymous with star wars the uh just like going into darth vader more uh obviously i am your father it became iconic and i yeah. love you i know the carbonite and the this the way light sabers i don't know just everything it was enhanced i think
1: also it's kind of funny too how uh it revealed that uh Darth Vader was Luke's father and people didn't believe it afterwards like you know it wasn't like people just accepted that that was the truth people thought that you know Vader was full of it and you know they didn't believe it which is funny because now we have the same thing with Kylo Ren in uh, The Last Jedi where you know he says something to Rey and you know people are like oh I don't don't know if I believe him I'm like "Uh, it's, it's cyclical it all goes back around at the end of the day
0: People cannot be saved from anyone but themselves. Mm-hmm. Speaking of themselves, yourself, mm. your list, what's yes. your number two pick?
1: Okay, so um, my ch- this is going to be a very controversial choice because I know people can think of at least five other movies in this franchise that they probably prefer over this movie. I'm going to go with From Russia With Love, the second 007 movie. I think this is, no, this isn't the only movie where it's the second film of the franchise. Uh, the other, my number one pick is also the second one in a franchise. But yeah, From Russia With Love. Um, have you ever seen it, Dave?
0: I have only ever seen Dr. No for James Bond.
1: Okay. And what did you think of Dr. No?
0: It was. I thought it was decent. I liked the setting most of all.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, And the funny thing is Dr. No when it came out very popular movie and a lot of people started like especially like men at the time really kind of like gravitated towards it but it wasn't necessarily what Ian Fleming's idea of Bond was like Bond is a little bit more darker he's got a bit more of an edge to him Dr. No is good and he definitely like has an edge like there are points in that movie where You know, James Bond will just kill a fool and, you know, he doesn't, you know, mince words, you know. And I've always liked that about Sean Connery Bond. But From Russia With Love is very much like Connery from Dr. Doe. But then they also kind of try to edge him more towards, like, what Ian Fleming's James Bond is. And, you know, Casino Royale is good. I think, like, in terms of James Bond movies, like, Casino Royale is probably the most accessible for people because... It's very much in Fleming Bond uh, with, you know, a lot of, like, modern aesthetics to kind of make it appealing. But for me, commercial with love is the most entertaining, at least, if not just because it's, it's simple. It's to the point. The plot is relatively simple. There's assassins sent out to kill James Bond. Uh, and it's, it's just a lot of fun. Like, the cinematography is great. It's a lot more in line, like I said, with the books. Uh, and, it's you know, in terms of, like, Dr. No, it's sort of, like, it kind of does what Empire did to A New Hope. It kind of did that to Dr. No, where it sort of builds on the franchise in a meaningful way and sort of builds on the iconography. And it's kind of funny that, like, Dr. No is probably, in terms of Connery Bond, the most popular. But in terms of, like, the one that kind of cements who James Bond is, Probably, I'd say Goldfinger, which is the third film, is probably a little bit, is also pretty uh, known for people, are uh, by fans, but, like, the second film gets overlooked a lot, but in terms of just what it adds to the franchise and the mythos of the character, it's probably my favorite overall.
0: Oh, I, like, I thought Doctor Nail was pretty good, so I'll have to definitely check out uh, this, the From Russia With Love. It sounds, like, I, I think there's a good potential for me to enjoy it
1: yeah and it's it's kind of funny because like it definitely shows its age too just kind of like with dr no like i rewatched a lot of these movies recently over the holiday break and they definitely show their age like you you watch it now and it's like kind of laughable a lot of the effects and stuff but uh it's if you can like you know put that to the side and watch it as it is it's, it's really entertaining
0: speaking of entertaining movies with special effects One of my finer transitions. Uh I'm gonna say, for my number one choice That's me trying to do a drum roll, my number one selection. (laughs) Number top top sequel of the second movie in a franchise of all time, in my opinion, for me, is The Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers. Um I often oh I go back and forth on if I think my favorite uh, Middle Earth movie is Two Towers or if it's Return of the King. I usually end up settling on Return of the King because I'm a sucker for a good ending and Return of the King definitely has that. But The Two Towers has the 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 job that no movie wants when it's no, when it knows it's being part of a trilogy where the first one has the like it gets you into middle earth it introduces you to these amazing characters and it's wonderful it's like a, it's so the first one is just so joyous and delightful and the third one obviously gets it gets the ending the resolution it has all this amazing character work with um Gollum and aragorn but the second one has to be the one in the middle and it has to make you care And it does such a good job of that. It has, um, I think the highs of it are as high as any part of the Middle-Earth franchise. Um, the battle at Helm's Deep is just eye-popping and jaw-dropping. It's wonderful. Like, even though people shit on Legolas, like, surfing down orcs, it was, I thought that was fantastic. The battle is so well done. I think it's the best battle in any of the three movies, um... We really get into Gollum into the second one. Uh, obviously, the third one I think deals probably deals with him in the best way. But the second one is great with Gollum, and what really elevates the movie for me and makes it so powerful is the conclusion of it, which is not an easy task because you're supposed to lead into the actual conclusion. But they do an amazing conclusion, which with uh, with um, with Sam and Frodo when uh, Sam is giving his whole speech and frodo's like well what are we fighting for sam and say oh like, there's like there's like there's good in the world mr frodo and it's worth fighting for and then they they traverse back into the woods and uh sam's telling him that they're going to tell the stories of frodo baggins one day and frodo says i want to hear the story about sam Frodo wouldn't have gotten very far without Sam and I'm getting teary eyed just thinking of it now. It gets me so emotional. It's so wonderful and just to watch that and then knowing that the third one is still to come, it's uh it's so it's it's really the one that I I think uh shaped out of all the three Lord of the Rings movies, the one that shaped me the most, even though I love all three of them. I think the second one has so much of itself in me. It's just it's wonderful. I love it.
1: My biggest memory of uh, the two towers was I went to go see it in theaters and the, the point where Gandalf is revealed to still be alive or back from the dead, There was a guy in the theater that was just like, Whoa, he was just so amazed. And I thought it was hilarious because a, it's spoiled in the trailers. Like they definitely weren't hiding the fact that Gandalf was back. Secondly, these books have been out forever like since the 40s so like these books have been out like 50 60 years and this guy was like oh like just blown away by like a 50 plus year old spoiler and i just thought it was amazing but in all all kidding aside yeah it is a great movie um yeah the battle of helms deep is great um i even just remember like some of the small points too about that film like where Aragorn kicks the helmet when they find they you know think that maybe the uh, hobbits are dead and you know he he screams. You find out later that he actually like broke his toe when he did that, so that's why he was screaming and all the stuff. Like it's just great. There's you know a lot of attention went into those movies just in general, like in the whole franchise, but uh, Two Towers especially.
0: It's so I just think it's so like all three of those movies are perfect, but that one is. The one that had the hardest shot at being perfect, and I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. But we we are all waiting to hear what your number one selection is.
1: Hmm. So um do I get a drum roll? Uh Star Trek 2. Rathokon.
0: Oh man. I didn't see this coming. Really? What I, did you
1: think my number one choice would be, just out of curiosity?
0: So, going into this, I thought... Like, I kind of expected Friday the 13th Part 6 to be your number one choice. And then when that was thrown out the window, it, all bets were off. It could have been anything. It could have been Ocean's 12, for all I knew. Nice.
1: You know, and that's the thing. Jason Lives, great movie. Uh, I, I love it. But um, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, I'm a huge Trek fan. I always will be. And Wrath just it it's the best sequel if only just because it really didn't deserve to be a great movie uh going into it like the first movie that came out star trek motion picture terrible movie have you ever seen it dave
0: i've never seen a star trek movie
1: okay so definitely don't watch the first movie because it's bloated like in terms of pacing like i think it moves at a snail's pace like nothing happens in that movie and it takes forever and it came out and i think it did relatively well but it definitely didn't do as well as they expected it to so come around to the sequel which they wanted to do regardless uh they had it off to i think his name is nicholas meyer i i might be mistaken i think it's nicholas meyer though is his name and They gave him a really small budget. Again, keep in mind that I was talking about this earlier, but movies back in the day got less money for a sequel, not more. And, you know, they basically said make a a sequel to this movie. And so uh, very indirectly does it actually deal with anything from the first movie. But what Nicholas Meyer did was he brought back a character from a Star Trek episode of you know, uh, Khan. And Khan was like in one episode of Star Trek, the original series. He was a largely just a one and done villain. He wasn't really, he wasn't like iconic or anything. You know, I like people knew of him, but they didn't really go, oh, Khan. You know, it wasn't like he was like the Joker to, uh you know, Kirk's Batman or whatever. But, and, they put him in as the villain of the second movie, and they actually add, like, a lot of dimension to his character. They they add a lot of dimension to Kirk as a character. So they take these two characters that are largely one-dimensional characters and they add dimension to them, and they put it in, excuse me, with this, like, fast-paced action and this overall just, like, fun tone. Um, The movie definitely gets serious in places and it can actually be a little dire and serious so you know it's not all fun and games but like in terms of star trek like it's just it's perfect star trek and again it had no business being great like it had characters that no one really were all that invested in and it just turned it into this great story and you know about loss and about you know accepting fate and you know growing old and uh, uh, ah it's just great I gush about Rath of Khan it's so good and I I, I just think it's the best movie sequel there, there's no better than Rath of Khan
0: I definitely cannot attest to whether or not this is a true statement but I certainly can't outright reject it either so Wrath of Khan it's uh, I've often heard it held in high regard it's uh definitely one I'm going to have to check out, because if it's your number one sequel of all time, it's definitely worth uh looking into a bit more, I would say.
1: Yeah, and you don't have to be like a big Trek fan to watch it. I think part of the reason it did so well, too, was Nicholas Meyer, who wrote and directed it, he wasn't a Trek guy. So when they brought him on, kind of like uh Tom McLaughlin with uh, Jason Lives, he's not... Fan of the franchise, they brought him on, and he came in with that fresh pair of eyes. And he's like, "Well, this is kind of bloated and kind of too high on itself. Let's kind of bring it down to a more realistic level." And I think that's what makes it work so well.
0: It's uh definitely with Star Trek. I feel like there's so much of it that you can um you can get into trouble with if you make try to go like uh if you try to go too. Especially with all the TV shows, if you try to go too deep with it, then you might like You might end up alienating some of the general public. But um, mm-hmm. I, one of my local theaters this year is uh, they do once a month they do a classic movie showing, and Khan is one of them. So it has clearly stood the test of time and remains accessible to many.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, uh, as time goes on, I think Khan just becomes like even more iconic, just because they've tried to rip that story off countless times, like. There's actually two other Star Trek movies that have either directly or indirectly ripped off that uh, storyline. You know, uh, the first being Star Trek Nemesis, which came out in the early to mid two thousands. Actually, funny enough, with Tom Hardy uh, in that movie, and that one's just terrible. But it's like very much the same kind of premise of like Rathacon, where there's like two rivals and. Oh, it, it, it just didn't work, and then they also did Into Darkness with Benedict Cumberbatch, and that was just terrible. And that one, he actually was Khan, but it was just a terrible movie. Um, I mean, I think what all the miss was just like the simplicity of Rafa Khan, where you know it wasn't about two people punching each other in the face. Like actually, if you watch that movie, you'll realize that Kirk and Khan, these two rivals, these nemesis, I guess. Uh, they never meet in that movie face-to-face. Everything, all of their interaction is through uh, communication devices, whether it be audible or visual, but they never actually meet in person. And it's like, what movie does that nowadays? I mean, I'm, I'm, well, maybe there's a few, uh, but for the most part, most movies nowadays, it's like, you gotta have someone punching someone in the face. It's very rare where you have, you know, protagonists and antagonists separated by you know, space crazy who does that nowadays certainly not me mm.
0: well with that being said i think we had some pretty good lists but do you have any honorable mentions
1: um yeah i actually i, I had uh godfather 2 as an honorable mention right uh guardians of the galaxy volume 2 so like a lot of my honorable mentions actually made it onto your list uh evil dead 2 is also a really good sequel Uh, definitely it's a case where it's like the first film was so low budget and then it did really well and then the studio's like hey here's some more money and Evil Dead 2 is just so much better just because it has that bigger budget and they actually used it wisely and then Die Hard 2 probably like the most controversial of choices because everybody hates Die Hard 2 but it's actually if you watch it it's actually a pretty entertaining movie I think
0: Some good picks I had a my biggest honorable mention was definitely Toy Story 2 I think it's wonderful
1: hmm yeah, Toy Story 2 is really good um I, I always remember just seeing that with my my family when I was younger and it was just like fun times although would you say the third one is better than the second one?
0: I think it Worse. is. it's the weakest of the Toy Story franchise I think but it's still pretty damn good
1: yeah I mean a lot better than Cars 2, that's for sure.
0: That's for damn sure I'd say and better than Finding Dory as well, I would agree.
1: Yep. Yeah. Pixar just doesn't seem to do well with sequels, aside from Toy Story.
0: Hopefully Incredibles 2 will be a bit different.
1: Fuck like that trend, yeah.
0: Well, thank you for being here. I think it was it was a good good topic with a good time.
1: Yes. Thanks for having me, Dave. It was uh, a great time. Uh you know, and I'm sure if people want, they can hear more of you on on our network if they really wanted to, right?
0: Yes, on Three Angry Nerds, Nerds in Love. Uh, I made an appearance on Music Talk once. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Um, and be sure to like rate and review those. Those are some good apps to rate and review, I think.
1: Yeah. And rate and review this show, too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, give us... Give the show five stars, if only just because Dave works his ass off with this podcast, so give it five stars.
0: Yeah, and if you're not gonna give it five stars, I'm not really interested in your review anyway.
1: <laughs> like four stars. He put uh his number one pick his two towers when it should return the king. Four stars.
0: If that's if that's if that's if that brings me down a whole star, then you're welcome to unsubscribe from this podcast, whoever you may be out there.
1: Oh, Savage.
0: I have no time for these type of people on my on my show. I like it. Well, we'll have to have you on again.
1: Yes, I I'll have to have you on one of my podcasts one of these days. Uh, You know, it might be a little hard. I have a guy named Dave already on, but we'll work it out.
0: It might get confusing. You'll have to refer to me as Dave R.
1: Yeah, alternative Dave.
0: Be sure to subscribe. Bye.